0: Good morning, congratulations once again to our, our graduates, we're proud of you guys and excited for all God has done and all God will do in your lives. I, I, we were sharing with them a little bit this morning Sunday School, they're just a, a great couple of young people and we're excited to, to be able to send them out now to a new area and, and for them to be uh, disciples and witnesses in, in those areas. So we're thankful again for them. So you got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark 16 is where we're going to be at this morning, and we're going to look at here at Mark's brief account of the resurrection, and it kind of goes along with the rest of the book of Mark. He's he's brief in that. He don't give us much account as the, some of the other writers do there in the Gospels, and so we're going to see a brief one, but I think there's a lot of stuff in here, and so uh, bro, Blake Bonta, wherever he went, he was asking me this morning, he says, is it going to be brief this morning, going to be short? So, Blake, it's, it's brief, okay? I'm not saying I am, but this is. So there you go, Blake. All right. So now for all you uh, moviegoers and people who like to uh, get a good series going and don't like to have that ruined, you don't want nobody telling you the end of the the movie or the next score or whatever, you know. um, I got a little bit of a spoiler alert. Um, Christ has risen. Okay. I hope you know that already. I hope you came this morning already understanding that. But I think it's good for us to look back at it. Uh this compelled me here a while back and so I want us to to look at this and uh brother Blake he's been preaching through the book of Matthew and so he's kinda there in that I think he was back about Tuesday account there. Uh we was looking about the parable of the wedding gift last Sunday, so he's gonna come into that here in a few weeks or months. I'm not sure how the how the layout is, but it'll be sometime in the near future. He's gonna come back and review this again. So I don't think we ever get over we should never get over the resurrected Savior, right? And so we're going to look at that this morning. Um, I'm going to jump forward Uh, again. So uh, he's going to come back and review that here in a few weeks and point out some more things. But, folks, there's one thing we need to be clear about. We need to be united on, and that is that Christ has risen. So uh, every message we preach, every ministry we do, every mission trip we go on, must be built and centered upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, Kaylee, I thank you for reminding us of his love this morning, that he has not forgiven or forsaken us, he has forgiven us, and so thankful for that. And that's why Paul here, we'll skip over just a little bit, Paul, that's why he writes here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 3 and 4, he says, I delivered to you as a first importance. And so this must be pretty important since it's the first, right? What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And so Paul, man, he is captivated by this, and he continues his life just to share that, the first importance. And so uh, that is because the resurrection proves that Jesus' death there on the cross, it was a satisfactory payment for our sins. And for those who put their faith and trust in him, it is victory over death. And so, brothers and sisters, I hope this morning that the resurrection gives you hope. It gives you joy. It gives you peace. It gives you mission and purpose in your life. And it gives us eternal life. So, guys, it it should spur us on to go out. It's changed the past. And, man, it's changed our future. For those who are in Christ, it's changed us for eternity. And so this event here that we're going to look at this morning Again, Mark is a little bit briefer than the rest of the uh, the other Gospels, um, but you can find that also in Matthew uh, chapter 28, Luke chapter 24, and John chapter 20. This same account. Again, it gives us uh, some more information, and it, I think it's beautiful how those all harmonize together to give us a better understanding. Uh, again, we could not understand all that happened in those days, but um, these guys were there, and, and so they saw this, and they they. Uh, have, have pinned it for us so that we can understand more about that. And so if you get a chance, go back and read through some of those, kind of help you to understand some more of the events that happened that day. We don't have time to walk through all that, uh, but I want to encourage you to go back and see those. But our main focus is going to be here in Mark this morning. And so let's read through the passage and then we're going to go back and we're just going to walk through it and pick out some things here and what Mark has for us. So verse 1, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene Mary, the mother of James, and Salmay bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, don't be alarmed, or do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for uh, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said, Nothing to anyone for they were afraid and so again let's walk back through these here a little bit and pick out some things i think mark wants us to see this morning and so we get back to verse one it says when the sabbath was passed so let's stop there a second so the sabbath what day are we talking about here saturday right and so these spices he says here and it lists a group of women here that says that they go and they they bought some spices and so we're here looking at that saturday it gives us a quick a uh, tidbit here about what's happening on Saturday. Again, this is probably right after sunset. So, again, that kind of classifies us into that new day. Um, so the Sabbath would have ended there at dark, and so now we start into a new day, and any part of that day would have constituted a new one. So that's kind of where this is coming from. This is on Saturday, and as the sun goes down and starts a new day, the uh, the shops and the markets and things would have opened back up. And so they go and they purchase these spices. Um, and so they're here at that time. It's really late, though. It's already late by that time. I don't know about you, but it gets dark now, and I get tired and sleepy, and this time to go to bed. And so I'm thinking here that they're probably tired. You know, they've had a pretty rough weekend, a pretty long weekend. They saw their Savior crucified. Man, their hope, uh, their dreams, their all that they had put their faith in seemed as, as gone. And so they're having a pretty hard time. And so they're tired, and it's late. And so that's kind of where Mark leaves us at that They bought the spices so that they might go and anoint him. And I think that's pretty significant, right? Because they were preparing. They were preparing for something. The Jews in those days, they didn't embalm bodies like we do uh, today. They wasn't putting on the spices to prevent decay. It would have been really hot and dry and arid. And so that would have uh, taken place pretty quick. And so really what they're doing here is to prevent the smell and the stench. And so they expected Christ was dead. Right, And so they're preparing to that, for that. And I think that's a couple of things that I believe Mark wants us to see here. These women, uh, they had a love and devotion to Jesus, right? And even here at his death, man, they, they were mourning and they were worshiping. They were coming at just as, again, just a time of, of worship. Man, their love um, drove them to continue to worship him and bring those spices and just to anoint his body. Uh, love will make you do strange things on it. It didn't make sense, man. They didn't know how they was going to get the stone rolled away. But they came ready to worship, and so uh, love will make you do strange things. I thought about that with prom last weekend. Man, it just makes you do all kinds of crazy things. But these women had a love for Christ, and they were willing to serve and worship. And I think the second thing is, I think Mark here he identifies these women to help us see that there was people there. There were identifiable people, people that we can uh, recognize, people that we know. We've read through the scriptures here. And now we can see them as an eyewitness account of this resurrection. They saw his crucifixion, the burial, and now they come and see the empty tomb. And it says here that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where they had laid him at that, back in Mark chapter 15, verse 47. They saw where they had put him. They saw him die on the cross. They saw him put him in the grave, and they were expecting to find the dead body. But they got there and found something else. And so, again, that that testifies to us that he was dead. You don't bury living people, right? There's no use to do that. And so Jesus' death here was was testified to. uh, They didn't expect the resurrection. Jesus had been preparing for that, but they still didn't expect that. This was above and beyond what they could comprehend. They saw him die, they saw him buried, and they were broken. And then when it comes in, it says here, And very early... And very early on the first day of the week there in verse 2, when the sun had set, or when the sun had risen now, they went to the tomb. And so now we come to Sunday morning, right? This is a new day, the first day of the week. And so now they come to the tomb here. And so remember that the new day, whenever that that sun set there on uh, Saturday, the Sabbath, it started that new day. So now we're looking, it's probably about 12 hours or so in to that new day, the first day of the week, uh, they didn't use days, names in those days uh, to name those days of the week. They didn't have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. They just used the Sabbath to kind of go from, and they counted off of that. And so that's where they're at here. They said the first day of the week, so that would have been Sunday, right? And so up until uh, the resurrection, Sabbath had always been the most important day of the week for people, right? Everything there in their culture revolved around the Sabbath until after the resurrection. And for God's people, Sunday has always been the most important day of the week. And so we don't worship a dead God, do we? We worship the risen Savior. And I think that's what Mark here is wanting us to see. Man, everything changed from that point on. Now we come and we worship on Sunday mornings. It changed how and when God's people came together. In a couple of those verses, it kind of helps us to see that. If you look on in Acts where it talks about the beginning of the church, Acts chapter twenty. Uh, verse 7 is kind of the first reference to the church meeting on sunday and from then on they always met and gathered together on sundays look at this acts chapter 20 verse 7 it says on the first day of the week here luke uh explains to us when we were gathered together to break bread so again they come together they worshiped paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day and he prolonged his speech until midnight and so, man, he preached all night long, all the way up to midnight. So I, we're not going to be here quite that long this morning, Blake. But So, again, they met there on the first day of the week. They met on Sunday. That was when the New Testament church met. Again, Paul here in First Corinthians 16, verse 2, on the first day of the every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Again, here just kind of pointing back to that first day of the week. Again, the New Testament church meeting there. John writes in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And again, that would have been a Sunday. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And so again here, we look and we see kind of the importance. Mark's wanted us to understand the importance now of our time of worship when we come on Sunday morning to worship. I don't know if you thought about it this morning when you were getting ready and cleaning up and getting ready to come to church, but did you know that your coming this morning, your being here this morning, is a testimony and a proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Have you thought about it? You're just sitting here this morning. Just your effort to be here proclaims the risen Savior. And so I've heard that statement before, you know, I can worship at home. You know, I can worship anywhere. I can do that by myself. I can do that in the car. I can do that on a boat, I can do that on a horse, I can do it on a tractor, I can worship anywhere. And that's right, we should. God is worthy of our worship every uh, place and time. But listen, the the Bible teaches that we are to meet together, to come together, to worship together. Our gathering together is worship of the risen Savior. And so our worship, here early on the first day of the week, we come together. You're making a statement this morning. Our worship is worthless if what we worship isn't worthy. But the one we worship is worthy. And beloved, I don't know about you, but we worship the one risen Lord, Jesus Christ. And I hope and pray that's why you're here this morning. I know we get caught up in a lot of routines, activities, and things, but I don't want us to pass by what we're here for this morning. We're here to worship Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, the name that is above every name. And that's why he says there in Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 9, he says, The name that is above every name, so that at every knee, uh, every, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and at heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so, even our gathering here this morning is a testimony for those outside. There's vehicles, you can't see them sitting in here, but there's vehicles passing by. And when they drive by, they recognize and they see the church is here, the church is meeting this morning. And that's an opportunity for us to witness to them, just being here, gathering together. And your being here makes a difference. It's a proclamation. But it's also an encouragement. <clears throat> Look what Hebrews says. Hebrews 10, uh, verse 24 and 25, it says, Let us consider how to stir up one another and good, uh, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. If you look around, it's encouraging to see people here this morning. I don't know about you, but it's encouraging for me to get up and come to Sunday morning and see people gathering together to worship the name of Jesus. And uh, so it's kind of a a charge, I want to say, to Bailey and Jake this morning. Let me encourage you as you begin this kind of this new walk uh, and new area that that life is sending you in. uh, Things can get really busy. And just be honest, when I was in college, uh, there was times where I just let a lot of things go and get busy. I was working different things, and so um, it wasn't as much priority. There was always something going on. Well, you know, it won't hurt if I miss one Sunday. But let me encourage you to make worship priority with God's people. Our coming together, it's a proclamation, but it's encouraging to one another. And so let me encourage you to, to do that. Uh, I know people have uh, jobs and different things that they have to attend to, and I praise God for blessing them with that. But when it's an opportunity, let us not forsake that time together. Guard that time. It's precious for us to be together to proclaim the risen Savior and encourage one another. Verse 3, he says here, And they were saying to one another, Who will roll the stone away, or who will roll the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And so here I think Mark wants us to understand that this is a supernatural event. This was a huge stone. That first picture I had up there kind of showed it. Uh, been uh, Those those caves or whatever kind of been hewn out. And then they would uh, that tomb there, I, we don't know exactly for sure, but kind of uh, the way history shows and different ones have studied, it kind of shows that that was a, a large stone uh, would have taken... Uh, a great deal to have moved, and these women knew that. And, and so, one thing that they didn't understand or didn't know about was on that Saturday. And Mark doesn't list it here, but if you look in Matthew chapter 27, uh, verses 62 through 66, Matthew tells us a little bit more about what happened on Saturday. Uh, the chief priests and the Pharisees they were scared that somebody was going to come. They were scared of the disciples were going to come and steal Jesus's body away. So not only did they put the, the large stone there, but they put a seal on it, right? And that could only be broken by the one who put it there. And so they got the seal, and then they surround it with uh, the soldiers, and, and so the guards were there. So this was not just going to be an easy task to go and get inside the tomb. But again, they, they didn't understand. They were um, kind of afraid, and we'll see here in a minute. They, they were going in worship. And so... Uh, they don't understand this point by this time. But they get there, and they see that things have changed. When they got there, God had already taken care of it for them. And do you know that the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out, right? That's not why the stone was rolled away, not to let him out, but to let people in to see for themselves that the tomb was empty. And I think that's a a significant point here that Mark makes, and he uses, again, he uses these ladies, uh, these three that he mentioned here to give us some eyewitness account to see that later on the others come and they see that man those guards when they wake up they see that the tomb is empty man there there is eyewitness accounts and so i'm thankful for that because i wasn't there that day i didn't see it but i have the written accounts of the eyewitnesses that show that man the tomb was empty god had raised his son jesus christ from the dead and so i'm thankful for that testimony this morning that those people were willing to share what they saw And I wonder that this morning about our own lives. Who do we need to share that with? Who do you need to tell about the empty tomb this morning? There's a lost and dying world out there that needs to hear about the risen Savior. So who is that that you need to share that with? And it says, um, let me move on here. It says here in verse 5 and 6, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And I think Luke also uh, does the same, but they only mention one here. I think the other gospels also mention two. And so it's not that they're conflicting, but Mark, his emphasis is just on what this one angel says here. And so he's, and he said to them, do not be alarmed, right? That's good news. They were alarmed. And so he gives them some reassurance. Do not be alarmed. I think they probably still were, and we're going to see that here in a second. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And again, the women were alarmed. They were in shock. They were in amazement, right? The last time they saw Jesus, he was dead. They saw him placed in that tomb. Um, and that finishes up there in, in chapter 15. It says, Mary Magdalene, in verse 47, And Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where they laid him. And so when they get there, they're amazed. And this is definitely not what they expected to find, right? They were mourning. They were emotional. And they had forgotten about all the earlier times when Jesus had told them about what was going to happen. I don't have them here, but you can write them in your margin. Mark chapter eight, verse, uh, or chapter 8 verse 31 says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Mark chapter 9, verse 31, For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. Mark chapter 10, verse 34, And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. And so again, what day is this now? It's a Sunday, right? Third day, Friday, he was crucified. Saturday, now we come to Sunday, just as he had told them. He had promised that. He had prophesied, and he had promised that he was coming back the third day. He was going to rise. Isn't it easy to forget about the promises of God when we're going through some of those hard times? I don't know about you, but we get distracted a lot by our stress and distress comes along and man it just knocks us off course and we so easily forget about the promises of god and i want to ask you this morning where do you turn to when you face those hard times i want to encourage you to go back to the promises of god and his word and that's what Lindsay was talking about with her her graduates this morning just to continue to be in god's word daily to get that nourishment that we need these women were in shock they were in amazement they were alarmed they were scared And that's what the the angel reminds them here of the promises of God, the promises Jesus had told them. And he goes on here and he says, You seek Jesus of Nazareth. I believe Mark here wants to remind us, and it reminds them that this was a real person, right? This was a real place that he had lived. They had saw him. They had watched his life. He really died. They saw that. He was really buried, and they saw that. And now he was really had risen. And they were seeing that now. And it wasn't all making sense to them. But I believe here he's giving them a little bit of a reality check. Kind of waking them back up to what's going on. Um, and so they had knew him. They had saw him. But he had came to accomplish the work of his father had sent him to do. To pay the penalty and the price for our sins once and for all. And so that's why we can now sing that old hymn, right? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the... Jesus right what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus and so I want to ask you that this morning has your sins been washed away have you been made whole by the Savior today if not I want to encourage you You can today Jesus has done all the work that needs to be done the only thing left for you to do is to accept what he's done and man it it alarmed them when they come there it didn't make sense and it sounded outrageous now. This, this angel was telling them that he had risen. It didn't make sense to them. And it sounds outrageous, doesn't it? And that's why you can tell now. That, that's why you know that they were alarmed. And you can see where they're alarmed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. And so, friend, I want to tell you this morning, the same power that raised Christ from the dead Is the same power that will save you from the grips of hell today if you will repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in him. And he'll do that mighty work for you today. Move on to verse 7 and 8 here. He says, But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now the angel stands and he here he he proclaims to them what they're to do next, right? He kinda again he he reminds them of what happened, what Jesus said was going to happen, he says it's happened, and now I want you to go tell his disciples. I want you to remind them. And he sends them out to the disciples and to Peter. And I think it's significant here that he lists those. And so why does he send them first to them? Well, the disciples, they were his closest followers, right? They had heard these, these three different times, that he had told them that, what was going to happen. These are the guys he had handpicked to, be, to build his kingdom. And these were the same guys that had all fallen away, who had all forsaken him in his final hours, all of them who had left him. And the part that really stuck out to me, it says, and Peter. I mean, man, you talk about being called out in front of your buddies, right? That's one of those mama moments, right? Kind of like where mama calls you by your name out in front of everybody. It you gets your attention really quick. And I think that's what the here Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to get Peter's attention. I don't know about you, but have you ever messed up in life? you ever made some of those mistakes? I'm not talking about, like, going to Taco Bell at 10 o'clock at night and ordering a big bean burrito, okay? Charlie Allen, that is never a good idea. I don't care how hungry you are. Don't do that. That's not a good idea. We make bad choices, right? And I'm thinking that's kind of what he's saying here to Peter. I'm talking about really here some of those times when you really blew it. The ones you wish you could go back and hit the reset button on, that won't work. The ones that leaves you with guilt and shame and sorrow and regret. And so some of those things are maybe things that only you know about. Some of those things may be things that everybody knows about. We live in a small town, man, word travels fast, and, and it can get across town very quickly. And so I think Peter here, he's having one of those moments. He's having some sorrow, some guilt, and some shame, and he just needs some special encouragement. And God knows that. He knows what you need. And he sends this angel, man. He makes a special proclamation here to Peter. And he calls him back. If if you kind of got to go back and look at at Mark chapter 14 to kind of understand what all has happened here to get to this point. But it helps us to know. In Mark chapter 14, verse 29, it says, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And so, again, Jesus here, man, he knows what's going to happen. He tells them that. And Peter is always, man, he's the first one to speak up. He says, Man, they're all gonna leave you. He said, But I'm not. I'm with you to the end. And do you know what happens? Later on that same, just that same night, that Jesus' arrest, Peter's questioned, and for three times he denies him, right? We all know that. We keep up with that, man. We keep up with our wrongs and other people's wrongs. And and so man, Peter here, I think he's needing some extra encouragement. He's needing to know, man, that there is forgiveness. It's crucial here to point out that the gospel was written and penned by Mark, but it was a collection of what he had passed or gotten passed down to him from the apostle Peter. And so I really believe here that Peter and the penman Mark, and I believe Jesus wants us to see that nothing trumps the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ I want you to know here that you have not done too much or you have not been too bad to receive forgiveness of your sins. This was some of Jesus' closest followers. Anytime you read about Peter, man, he's always listed first in the group. He was one of the inner three, and his name is always listed first. Man, you would think of somebody that wouldn't leave him, wouldn't forsake him, that would be Peter. But even his closest friend left him and forsook him. And now I think he wants him to understand, man, there's forgiveness for you. And he wants us to understand that too. He is not given up on us. Um, he's not given up on you. And I think we need to understand that God is not some kind of an angry tyrant. He don't hold grudges against us. But he is a kind, compassionate father who is waiting for you to return to him. And that's why Romans uh, 5 verse 80 says, but God shows his love for us that in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Inner sin, right? He knew what was going to happen. He knew the disciples were going to leave him. He knew that Peter was going to deny him, but yet he still died for him. And I want you to hear me clear this morning. God must judge sin. He does not turn a blind eye to it. He is holy and righteous, and sin cannot enter into his kingdom. And that's why Mark is proclaiming this to us that the wrath of God has been satisfied and proven by the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so there is forgiveness today, and he offers that. You can be forgiven and restored just like Peter. If you'll go on and look, man, Peter, he, he goes on and proclaims the good news and the gospel to people, and thousands get saved. And, man, he's restored and renewed, and, man, he goes on and does the work of the Lord. And so I want you to know that this morning. And for those who do know that, is there somebody that you've given up on, that you think maybe they've gone too far, they've done too much? I want to remind you that they haven't, that God's grace and his mercy extends to them also. So let us us be people of grace and mercy and love to show that compassion to those around us. And then look with me here. Mark finishes up at verse 8. It says, they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And again, these women here, man, they were amazed. They were astonished. And they took out of that place. It says that they said nothing, for they were afraid. Now, if you'll read and study on a little bit later, they do go on. But in that moment, man, they were scared. They didn't know what to do. And they took off. And they didn't say anything to anyone. I wonder, is that us as a church today? Are we willing to tell people about the risen Savior? Church, I hope and pray that is not us. I hope and pray that we are going about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And with that as a church, I want to challenge you. I've got two opportunities here for you to, to be a part of that and sharing opportunities for you to share about the risen Savior. Wednesday night worship we're coming into a time school's getting ready to close out and so we're kind of transitioning if you were here with us the last couple years we've been doing wednesday night worship and so we want to bring our kiddos uh over here to the sanctuary on wednesday nights and we'll have a message here every wednesday night somebody's going to come and lead us in the word we'll have a time of worship and so i want you to know that starts in june june the second through july the 28th and why am i telling you this because i think charlie helped me out he's, he's left on me again the numbers, I think last week there was like 50 plus children and youth ages. There's a great need for us to come together to worship, but there's also a great need for us to come together and to help provide a, a place for young people to come to hear the Word of God. And it's a challenge at times. I don't know if you got kids, had kids, grandkids. I got three. If you need some, we will share. It's a challenge at times to hear. What somebody is preaching, or teaching. And so when you're overwhelmed, you need a little extra help. And so I want to encourage you to be a part. June, 20, uh, June 2nd through July the 28th, Wednesday nights, will you commit to helping some young people hear about the risen Savior? We start at 5 o'clock feeding. We go to 5.30. We're going to be back over here and start worship at 5.30. Sit with them a few minutes, 45 minutes, we'll go home. Well, would you be a part of that, sharing the good news with those young people? There will be people who get saved. I believe that. I believe that. Will you come and help be a part of that, June 2nd through the 28th? Then there's another opportunity for you. Isn't it good God provides us opportunities to share the good news? Laura Sidebottom is in charge of our Vacation Bible School this year. It runs July the 18th through July the 22nd. Did I get that right, Laura? Yes. And she has a list of people she needs help for. She needs places of teachers, people to feed, people just to do lots of things. And so she's got a list of some areas, uh, opportunities that you can help do that. Would you commit to that? I don't know how many we'll have. A lot of those kiddos are excited. Man, you think about 2020, they didn't get to do a lot of stuff. just wasn't a lot of opportunity. But God has opened doors, and, man, we're having Vacation Bible School the week of July 18th through July the 22nd. Would you commit some time that week to love on some kiddos and help them to hear about a risen Savior? See Miss Laura Sidebottom. I know she would love to get you signed up. And so I want to ask you this morning as we close, our musicians make their way, just a simple question. The ladies here had the same question. What will you do with the good news of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ? I hope and pray today, if you're here this morning and you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're like Peter and you just need to hear God's love has not changed for you, that it is available and he is calling you to come to him. If you're here this morning, I hope and pray that you'll do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like those disciples, and man, you've messed up, or maybe it just hadn't been as fruitful as you had planned, and, and you just need to return back. Let me encourage you to do that today, to repent and turn back to Christ. Maybe it's just, again, just a reminder to go and tell, right? That's what he called these women to do, it's what he called his disciples to do. So maybe God has challenged you and calling you to go and tell somebody. Let me encourage you to be faithful today. What will you do? with the good news of the resurrection of jesus christ let's pray father we thank you for your word i thank you god that we do not serve a dead god we serve a living risen savior and so god i pray this morning if there's one here that does not know you that has not received that free pardon of sin god that today will be the day that they will do that and god for those of us who have god help us to be compelled help us to be overwhelmed by the love of Jesus Christ, God, to go out and tell people the good news. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.